This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Tammy McKittrick was a 40-year-old from Bowling Green, Indiana. She had two sons and three daughters and was a huge animal lover. On November 15, 2001, Tammy's children went to school, just like they always did. When they came home, Tammy wasn't there. Their father said someone picked Tammy up. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. truth. When you read the title for this episode, what did you think? Because there are several different definitions for the word likely. Highly probable, suitable, reliable and credible, promising, and the obscure definition, attractive. I've not heard that one before. Yet I'm sure none of those meanings entered your head at all. In fact, I'm sure when you read the title, that the exact opposite of highly probable and reliable and credible, etc., 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 popped into your head. Funny how the English language works. And really, you're not totally wrong. Because in the case of Tammy McKittrick, we do have credible and suitable, see what I did there, reasons for her disappearance, being with another man, dabbling in drugs, going through a midlife crisis of sorts, She could have made a bad decision to leave with someone she shouldn't have. But we also have in Tammy's disappearance a common scenario for many episodes you've heard on Unfound, especially recently. One where a guy says, hey, she just took off. We have a likely story. And now a summary of the case. Tammy McKittrick was a mother of five, but those weren't her only children. On the farm she shared with her husband, Robert, She had llamas and possums and a whole host of other animals. Tammy essentially had her own petting zoo. Tending to her kids and the animals was her job and she loved it. However, in entering her 40s, Tammy suffered what could only be called a midlife crisis. She ended up moving out of her home and in with a 20-something-year-old who was friends with one of her sons. At the same time, Tammy began taking drugs, something she had never done before. This continued for a few months. Eventually, though, her husband accepted her back into their house. This happened about two weeks before Tammy disappeared. So, on November 15, 2001, Tammy was tending to her duties, getting her kids ready for school. Then they left, leaving Tammy at home with Robert. When the children came home, Tammy wasn't there. Their father said that Tammy took off with someone who came by. Robert didn't know who that was. He didn't seem concerned. Tammy didn't return that day. A few days later, though, Tammy's 19-year-old son received a call. It was Tammy. She said she was okay, that she was in Florida, 
and not to worry. Tammy was never heard from or seen again. By national standards, Tammy's case is virtually unknown. She's not on the Charlie Project. She's not on NamUs. We hope to change that by covering her disappearance today. And these are some questions you should be asking yourself as you hear about Tammy McKittrick for the first time. Number one, do you believe she called her son a few days after her disappearance date? Number two, what do you make of something her daughter found in her father's basement eight years after Tammy disappeared? And number three, are you inclined to trust a friend of Tammy's husband who claims he knows exactly what happened to Tammy? Tammy's children have differing opinions on what happened to their mother. One thing they do agree on, though, is their father picked up the slack for Tammy not being there and that he was an excellent dad. The guest for this episode is Tammy's daughter, Marae Ledgerwood. Unfound news. I'm still coming down from the high I experienced last week by going to Amarillo. Charmin, Heather, Paula, Ava, and everyone else, I couldn't have had a better time meeting all of you. Thank you for showing up. I hope you all were really surprised. And since I'm guessing you've seen the pictures and videos already, I had a chance to meet with Penny and her son Tucker. We had a high-quality day going to the relevant locations for Tom's murder. I thank them for taking the time, and I definitely have to thank them for the excellent lunch. Next, everything is pretty much back to normal here at Unfound Central. I went to Fort Lauderdale for a few days, then I was in Amarillo, but now... It's the standard routine from now until the end of August, when I'll be competing in a three-day disc golf tournament in Orlando, and I'll be heading to Canada. Making phone calls, finishing episodes, writing books, etc. That's what I'll be doing from now until then. And finally, the August newsletter came out yesterday, August 1st. Like I always say, if you didn't get it, contact me to get on the email list. Thanks. And oh, thank you for all the birthday wishes. You made the day very special. Thanks. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and Facebook. On Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us on YouTube for the Unfound Live Show. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. This week I need to thank Judy and T. You can also contribute at PayPal, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. That is also the email address. And I need to thank Liz this week. Merchandise, the books at amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Shirts at unfound-podcast.myshopify.com. And cards at makeplaincards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfoundpodcast. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the daughter of Tammy McKittrick, Marae Ledgerwood. Marae, welcome to Unfound. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And we're going to start out in a unique uh, place uh, to start this interview because I think the listeners really need to uh, learn this. You have a very unique first name, M-A-R-R. A-E. How did you get it? My mother actually found it in the newspaper the day that I was born and named me after another person, woman named Marae. So there's actually two Marae's 
um, in the world that I know of. Um, but yeah, she found it in the newspaper. <laughs> That's very, it's a very unique name. Of course, as you know, I talked to a lot of different people all over the United States. Um, so you think that there's only two probably out there with it and you and somebody else as, with that first name. As far as Facebook's concerned, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> all right. Well, Facebook is the world, I guess, these days. So that would make a lot of sense. <laughs> What's well, a beautiful name, as I've told you. And I wanted to get that out of the way because I, I had the idea the listeners going to be like, what's her first name? And I didn't want it to be a distraction. And I thought it was a great story, too. All right. So let's talk about uh, your mother, Tammy. Of course, you were very young when she disappeared. But what was the McKittrick household like? Tell, tell the listeners about your brothers and sisters, the overall culture of your home. Um, it was a little chaotic. Um, I had an older brother who's eight years older than me. I was 11 at the time when my mom went missing and I have two sisters, one that's four years younger and one that's four years older. Um, there was a lot of chaos of kids running around. We had a lot of animals, um, possums, chickens, guinea pigs, llamas, anything you could think of. We had it. My mom loved animals. Um, so we did a lot of rehabilitation with animals and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that, it was a it was a safe place. There wasn't anything, you know, there was no abuse or neglect or anything like that. We were very well taken care of. Um, it was a nice it was a nice upbringing, really. Mm -hmm. And what kind of mother would you say that your mother was? Was she a disciplinarian? Was she laid back? Was she somewhere in between? Uh, how would you portray her? She, she was very laid back. She was a lot of fun. She was the comedian, the crack up. Um, she was always the center of attention. She drew people in. She just had such a vibrant personality that people just loved to be around her. Um, she was, um, but from what every, all of her friends have told me, she was an amazing mom. Okay. And of course, 11 years old, I think by that time you maybe start to a little bit understand, you know, the, maybe a little bit about the world and about friends having parents and everything. So you probably... Um, you know, have a good uh, handle on that. And would you say that uh, your brothers and your your your, uh, your brother and your sisters y'all got along, and or did you have to maybe break up fights once in a while? What went on in that area? Oh, we we fought constantly, and it was like heavy duty WWE fighting. I mean, we didn't let anything go. There was actually one occasion where I broke my sister's nose <gasps> with a glass bottle. Oh. Oh I mean, we went, we went at it. Mostly me and my older sister um, mm -hmm. fought. My brother was too much older than me to even really care what was going on with me. So, mm -hmm. and my younger sister was my mother's favorite and she spent a lot of time with my mom. So mostly okay. my older sister and I. Now would she, would your youngest sister say that she was the favorite, Marae, or is that, oh, yeah. is that, is that an objective opinion? <laughs> no, she definitely was the favorite. There was an occasion when she busted all of her front teeth out swinging on a kitchen table and had to put get metal caps put into her mouth. So she looked like Hannibal Lecter. And my mom actually took her for professional pictures after she got this done. And none of us other kids had ever had professional pictures in our lives. Oh my. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, I think that, well, that, that's certainly a story then. And I understand what you're saying. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, how about your mother's uh, work? Did, uh, did she have a job, education? What was her interest? Obviously, with these pets, you've already talked about that, but possums and, and llamas and everything, mm -hmm. that sounds like a very eclectic choice of um, animals. But what about her work and education? 
Um, she didn't have much education. She got pregnant with uh, my half brother when she was around 14 years old and dropped out of high school. Um, and she didn't work. She stayed at home with us kids all the time. Um, so she really didn't have much of a life outside of our family. She had some friends. Um, but other than that, she was mostly with us kids and the animals. Yeah, she had four kids. She had her, maybe had a little bit of her hands full, right? Yeah, right. yeah and, definitely. And then, right, and of course, we're going to talk about your father here in a second, but he was the one that uh, earned the money, and uh, your household was um, pretty good. You know, yeah. No, okay. All right, so he did, uh, I guess it was your father who did uh, most of the work as far as the parents go then? Yeah, he uh, actually was retired. My father was actually 20 years older than my mother. Mm -hmm. um, when my mom disappeared, she was a little over 40, and my dad was in his 60s. So he was retired, but he rebuilt Model A's and Model T's um, as a side project of, uh, uh, other than his retirement to make money. And he also like redid tractors and things like that and sold them on the mm -hmm. site as well. Okay, and I want to get, come back to him in a moment. However, we should mention this. Uh, this might be uh, something having to do with the disappearance. Maybe not. Maybe it's an element. Maybe it's not. But your mother didn't drive a car. Uh, I have to admit that's right. maybe a little odd for, uh, you know, late 20th century into 21st century women. Uh, maybe not so uncommon, maybe 50, 60, 70 years ago. But why was that? She just was scared of driving. My dad actually got her a driving instructor when she was in her 30s and tried to get it so she could get her license, but she just was too scared to be out on the road. I don't know if it was an anxiety of hers that she had, um, but yeah, she never, never drove a vehicle. It wasn't like a thing where she just didn't have her license and still drove. She just never drove a vehicle. Okay. And so if she had to go anywhere, maybe your older brother, who I know was of driving age, maybe would take her or maybe your father would take her, a friend, something like that. Yeah, mostly my father. We went pretty much everywhere together okay. uh, as a family. Okay. Now you said that uh, already said that your father was approximately twenty years older uh, than mm -hmm. than your mother. Uh, how did they meet? Do you know? They met at a diner that my mom was working at um, as a waitress in Indianapolis, mm -hmm. um, and they kind of hit it off. And that's about all I know about that story as far as a meeting. But I do know they met in a diner while she was working. Okay, and uh, how long were they married at the time that she disappeared? Um, yeah. I think around 14 years. Okay. We have to remember, like you already said, your oldest brother, uh, who I believe was maybe 19 at the time of disappearance, he's a half-brother, so mm -hmm. he has a different father. So that No, that's actually – we actually oh. have another brother. Oh, okay. It's a half-brother that we weren't raised with. His, oh, okay. Uh, my mom's mom actually raised him. Oh, um, but my father and my mother didn't get married until my brother was about five, and okay. my bro that's when they changed my brother's name to McKittrick from Fox, which is my mother's maiden name. Okay. Now, now I understand. Thank you for explaining that to me mm -hmm. and the listener. I was a little confused about that. So they were mm -hmm. married, uh, once again, for how about how long again? 15 years? About four, 14 years, 14, yeah. 14 years. Okay. Um. Your father is, uh, I have to say, uh, having talked about him, and I've even looked, of course, he is not with us anymore. He, he died about 10 years ago, but uh, seems like an interesting uh, guy, uh, very um, <laughs> unique individual. 
what do you think you can tell the listeners uh, regarding this? Maybe you need to start uh, with his name, specifically his last name. Okay. Uh, so my father was a bit of a hooligan back in the day. Um, he was associated with the mafia and things like that. He was actually put in prison when he was 17 years old for shooting his vice principal. And after he got out of prison, he changed his last name from McKittrick to, or I'm sorry, from Black to Mahan. And then once again, uh, later on in life, he changed his name from Mahan to McKittrick. So there, it's kind of a weird, it's hard to look up information on him because he's had three different last names. Um, wow. I don't when do you, when, uh, okay, that's fine. Uh, when do you remember, you know, finding out about this, that your, your, for sure, uh, last name was McKittrick, but when did you find out that about these other names your father had? When I was about 13 years old, my father and I were having a conversation and he started telling me some of the things about his past, some of the things that he wasn't necessarily proud of. Mm -hmm. Um, at the time I was a teenager and I was starting to get into some trouble, nothing near as bad as what he had done, you know, just sneaking out of the house and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he kind of sat me down and had a conversation with me and told me about his life in his childhood. And that's when we started talking about the last name changes. Mm -hmm. Did you ever, ever have an opportunity to meet anybody on uh, his side of the family? Did he have any brothers or sisters? I'm going to guess being that he was in his sixties, maybe his parents were deceased. Um, you know, well before maybe you even came along, but, um, you know, did you ever meet anybody on his side of the family? Did you ever meet anybody with the last name black or, or Mahan, for example? Um, at his funeral, I did meet his brother. He did have two sisters and two brothers and, um, at his funeral, one of his brothers did come. I'm not sure even at this time, how many of his brothers or sisters are still alive. He mm -hmm. just wasn't necessarily close with his family. They lived in Ohio we lived in Indiana, and it wasn't something that seemed all that important to him. So we never were really around his side of the family at all. Even his mother was alive up until the time I was about 12 or 13 years old, and we never even met her. Mm -hmm. And we have to explain something. If he did get into these trouble, and that does sound like serious business, shooting his uh, vice principal at his school, that sounds like a story in and of itself. But mm -hmm. it very well could be that. You know, he changed his life, you know, straightened out. He thought that that name might be a hindrance to him, and he's fully entitled to legally change his name if he wants. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not like you are not under the impression that he ripped off somebody else's identity or anything like that. No. No, okay. it was definitely uh, something that he went through, and, and I'm I'm assuming did legally. I'm not sure. But okay. it wasn't like he someone's identity. Okay. Did he ever tell you where he got the picked the, how he picked out the name McKittrick? From any? Um, no, that was never something that he talked to me about, and I'm not even sure to this day where the name McKittrick came from. Uh, as far as I know, there's no family ties to it. Um, our I, my father's father was a Native American, and huh. that's where Black came from. Mayhem okay. came from his aunt and uncle that he was raised by. And but McKittrick has no prevalence really to us. Okay, that's interesting. Maybe he got it from like uh, maybe a character in a movie or somebody that you know really mm -hmm. looked up to or something. Very very possible. A lot of different choices there. How would you uh, once again 
you being 11 years old, how would you explain um, your mother and your father's marriage, their relationship? Um, up until the end, up until around the time of my mother's disappearance, it really, to me, didn't seem like a bad marriage. Um, they laughed a lot. They spent all their time together because my father was retired, so he was at home all day, too. Mm -hmm. And but he would be out in the barn working on vehicles or something like that. But they spent a lot of time together. We did things together as a family. Um, there never seemed to be any animosity really towards each other mm -hmm. up until around the time that my mom disappeared. Okay, so just to be clear, you never saw any uh, abuse or anything like that. Pretty good um, marriage. And we're of course I know right. we're gonna have to talk about something very very quickly. But the way you look at their relationship, it was pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I know that in talking uh, with you about your father, I know that you have a lot of respect for him. You, you thought he was a really great father. Mm -hmm. Great father. Okay. And how close to, were you to him? And who was his favorite? If your youngest sister was your mother's favorite, who was your father's favorite? Oh, I was by far my father's favorite. Oh, we spent a lot of time together. I spent most of my time out in the barn with him. We would work on vehicles. Um, just do whatever, whatever needed to be done. And we, I would spend all day out there if I could. I didn't really hang out with my mom that much, but yeah, my dad, my dad and I were very close. Okay. All right. Um, so we've uh, talked about your mother, her personality and her being your, her mother, your mother, their relationship, what was going on at the house sounds of like a very interesting household with all the animals and, and everything else. So was, was this like a farm or something or, or what? Oh, it was a big, we had a lot of property and yes, we did have like horses and donkeys. And so it was, it was a farm. Um, it, it was fun growing up on. Sounds like Noah's Ark. Right. Yeah. <laughs> two, two, two of everything, llamas and horses and possums and everything. It sounds fantastic. All right. Good. Sounds like uh, maybe a business that kind of uh, maybe could have like a petting zoo or something like that. There's a business. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> All right, let's move on to this. Um, we do have to talk about this, unfortunately. But your mother, I, I'm not. We're not going to get say as far as that she had an affair, but she had a was friends with a younger guy, and we're only going to use his last name. But uh, Ryan, what can you tell the listeners? What do you know about uh, this? Uh, we know that you've had it. I know that you've had a chance to talk to him. What can you say about her relationship with Ryan? Um, just that it was, I think that my mother sort of had a midlife crisis once she reached the age of 40 and it wasn't honestly the first time that she had had an affair on my father. My father had caught her before, but it had been some years before this incident and she kind of just, I guess, was enamored with this younger man and ended up moving in with him and living with him in uh, our t a town called Play City. And it seemed very innocent. It didn't seem like Ryan was malicious or out to get anyone. He was just young and I think very impressionable at the time. And mm -hmm. I think maybe my mother might have taken advantage of that. Okay. Now, was she was in her early 40s uh, and how old was he? He was in his 20s. In his 20s. Okay. And how did they meet? Through my brother, he was actually a, a friend of a friend of my brother's, and my mother, when she reached around the age of 40, started spending more time around my brother and his friends. 
Um, like I said, I think it was more like a midlife crisis thing. She mm-hmm. started worrying about her age. She yeah. started drinking more and, and partying more. And that's how she met Ryan was through a friend of a friend of my brother's. Okay. And would you say, um, so she went and actually lived with him. So of course your father knew about this. Any idea how he felt about it? How did you say how he thought about it? No, how he felt about it. Yeah. Uh, he was, I mean, he was angry. He was very angry. He was, we, he, I mean, he was left at home with four children. My mother was off partying, hanging out with younger men, drinking, doing drugs. Um, he was irate. I mean, and he had every reason to be, mm-hmm. uh, at one point my mother took my little sister who at the time was seven and left her at a gas station and called my father to come pick her up because she was going out that night and couldn't have my little sister with her. Um, so she was just being very irresponsible and my father, I, I mean, he had about had it with her. I'm, I'm sure. Okay. And how long was this happening before she disappeared? How long would you say? This, I would say she lived with Ryan for approximately a month and a half. Um, it wasn't a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, about a month and a half. Okay. And how, and once again, how long before she disappeared, would you say that she moved out a couple months before or, or uh, six months yes, before? Yes, a couple months before. Couple, okay, thank you. Uh, couple, yeah, just a couple months. couple months, okay. But she did end up moving uh, back in. I realize, once again, you're 11 years old at the time, might not understand all the dynamics of marriages and things, but do you have any idea uh, why your mother came back or... My, brother, my father actually tried to convince, was trying to convince her the entire time that she was gone. And I guess he finally just got through to her. She had some mental illness. Um, from what I know, it was bipolar schizophrenia. And he finally convinced her to come home and seek treatment for her mental illness instead of using drugs and alcohol as an escape from that. Okay. All right. And how, so he finally, uh, she finally did move back out. She moved away. Um, not living with Ryan anymore, moves back into your house. And how long was she in there before she disappeared? I'd say at most two weeks. Okay. Two weeks. Okay. And and how would you, the way you remember it, how would you explain those two weeks? Were they, were they easy going? Was everything kind of getting back to normal or was it tense or how do you remember it? It was tense. Um, it was, strange. I didn't, I had resentment towards my mother at this point, mm-hmm. uh, after everything that she had done to my sisters who, and I didn't really want to necessarily be around her. So I wasn't, I, like I said, I spent most of my time with my father. Um, they, my parents were both kind of on edge and, um, like it, it, it was just an, a very uneven feeling about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. And even at 11 years old, you could sense that tension? Yes. Yeah, okay. And would you say that your your siblings uh, maybe felt the same way? Could feel yes, I, I believe they did. Okay. All right, so she moved out for a while. Sounds like she has some things going on. Uh, so do you believe that alcohol and, and, and drugs, um, it seems that they were a problem? And had yes, they been, been had they been a problem for a long time, or maybe just a year, or no. how do you remember it? From what I could tell, it was just after she had turned forty is really when everything started going downhill. It wasn't 
I didn't really know a lot about drugs at the age of 11, and I didn't sure. know the signs and things to look for. This is mostly from what my father and my my other my older siblings have told me mm-hmm. um, as far as the drug use. So um, I would say it wasn't a problem um, for a long time. I would say it, it just came up uh, within that amount of time. Okay. And during those two weeks that your mother was back at the at the house, do you ever remember, has anybody ever told you of any times where Ryan may be feeling a little jilted or did he ever come around, uh, anything like that? No. no. No, as far as I... As far as I perceived it, Ryan was okay that my mother left. He never mm-hmm. seemed upset. He never seemed hurt um, or angry even uh, by any of this. I think, like I said, he was just young and impressionable, and she kind of got the best of him. But I think once he, he started, his family knew about my mother living with him, and I think they also had an impact on him and my mother moving out because they knew it wasn't a good idea. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, the belief is that he, after she moved out, it wasn't like she tra- he came over to try to get her back or, or anything like that. No. Okay. Okay. So these this was the McKittrick household in the in the weeks leading up to your mother's disappearance. Now, of course, a lot of people before this episode even comes out are, are probably going to try to look it up. And first of all, they're going to find out there's not a lot of information out there about your mother's disappearance, mm-hmm. first of all. And that's why, of course, you're on the program. We, of course, want to change that. She's not on Charlie Project. She's not on uh, Name is, is e- either. So we kind of have to almost start at, at the kind of the beginning with the actual facts of the disappearance. What day did she disappear? What, what was the date of her disappearance? Uh, November 15th of 2001. November 15th, 2001. Okay, so... Um, maybe 10 days before Thanksgiving. And this is from Bowling Green, Indiana, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, not yes. because uh, I know a lot of people are going to hear Bowling Green. They're going to think of Kentucky because that's where the Corvette uh, originally came from. Bowling Green, Kentucky mm-hmm. might be a better well-known town with that name than Indiana, but this is Bowling Green, Indiana. Okay, now that we mm-hmm. have established that, um why don't you tell them what you remember about that day? You were 11 years old. You're with your siblings. And, and what happens? Um, we all got up and went to school like it was a normal day. Um, nothing seemed unusual. Mom woke us up. Um, we all got ready, got on the bus, uh, did our normal day at school. And then we came home and my mom wasn't there. My dad said that maybe she had left with some friends. He said he hadn't talked to her and he didn't know, which is kind of unusual because, like I said, they were both home all the time and my mother didn't have a driver's license. So he played it off just like she had left with some friends. Maybe she would be back shortly. He didn't know. And then it kind of just, uh, we just kind of stopped talking about it and that's where it was left. She just never came back. Um, I didn't notice any clothes missing of hers, but like I, I'm a, I was 11 mm-hmm. at the time, so I oh, didn't sure. necessarily know the things to look for. And the other thing I would have looked for had I known or thought about it would have been money missing. Uh, mm-hmm. My brother did say that she had stolen a, quite a bit amount of money out of his college fund or from his FAFSA. He said around $8,000, $9,000. Wow. Um, so there is that. Okay, and I want to talk but about. Other than, 
Yeah, and I want to talk about that uh, certainly in a bit. But if I may ask, she's not there. You get home. Um, you ha- do have other siblings there. What were you saying, maybe between yourselves, without you know, without your dad hearing, uh, talking about your mother? What were those conversations, if you can say? Do you remember them? Well, yes, I did talk. To my older sister and I were pretty close, and. Um, we just we didn't think anything unusual of it because it wasn't an unusual thing for my mom to have gone with a friend somewhere or gone over to a friend's house. So at that point on that day, we weren't really we didn't really discuss it any deeper than we thought it needed to be because at that point it was a normal occurrence. Now later on when mom just never came back, we we had heard a rumor that she had called my brother um, from Florida and mm-hmm. said that she was in Florida and was staying there. And so then that, that was our answer. That's all we knew was that mom was staying in Florida and we didn't know if she would be back or not. Wow. Okay. And I want to, I want to nail down that, uh, the timeline here in a moment. Um, when did you personally start? I mean, I know about this phone call, but before that phone call, I mean, did you worry right away, you personally, um, but maybe in a few days, you just kind of, that was just the way your mother was. And of course, we have to remember that it wasn't just a month before that, that she was outside of your house living with another guy. So maybe it was possible you were thinking she went off with another guy? Right. That it's, I mean, there was no, I never had any reason to not believe exactly what my father had said to me about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it came to thinking about mom or thinking about her disappearance, I was just, I just had wrapped my mind around the fact that she was gone again. And that was that because before she had disappeared, you know, she didn't disappear, but she left us. And why wouldn't I believe that it would just happen again? Sure. You know, she'd already, she'd already done it once. Mm -hmm. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. It does. Um, But in those weeks after did, uh, I'm, I'm guessing then that there was no, uh, police report found uh, or filed, no missing persons report filed. Uh, what was, uh, if somebody called the house looking for your mother, what did your father say? Or, you know, if anybody answered the phone, if her, any of her family called, what, what, what was the answer? Do you know? He just, he would say that he, she ran off again. Okay. Um, she had left again and we didn't know where she was. Okay. Um, did your father, when he explained this, did, did he make it sound like she was gone for good, like she wasn't coming back, or was it more like, well, she went off with some friend, and, you know, she'll be back eventually? I mean. No, the initial day that she left, he made it sound like she would be coming back. Um, but later on into the weeks afterwards, he made it very clear that she would not be coming back, whether she chose to or not. My father was done with her drug abuse. My father was done with her disappearing on us children. And he was done with her. And, um, I mean, he had even said it sometimes if she came back, I'd kill her. You know, I'm, he, he didn't want us children subjected to Mm -hmm. that anymore. Wow. Okay. All right. And what about her stuff, her clothes or shoes? What was done with all of those things? I mean, was it, were they disposed of or stored right away or did they remain in the closet for a while? How do you remember maybe something like that? They remained in the house for a while until a few months later, and we cleaned up everything that was hers and disposed of it, including pictures of her. I actually only have about five pictures of my mother, mm-hmm. um, and they're not very good photos. 
Um, but my father disposed of those too. Okay. Um, so it was just then it, it just ended up being you and your siblings. And, and my understanding is your, your, your brother that was 19, he was not at home when, when she disappeared, was he at school or something? Right. He was, he was at college in Vincent's, Indiana, Vincent's university. Okay. So it was the, all the younger kids, I guess your older sister and your younger sister were home, uh, then with your father. And what were those next months like? Um, the, um, what did was, you guys do? Did your mother's hard. name, did your mother's name ever, your mother even come up in conversation? No, we never talked about it. It made my dad cry. Um, so we just honestly avoided the subject. He was very emotional all the time. He drank a lot more. Um, he was very distant. He didn't talk to us kids as much as he usually did. And it was a rough, it was a rough while. Am I then to understand then if, uh, how close or how well did you know your mother's side of the family? Not well at all. Um, we maybe visited them four or five times. Um, they didn't exactly agree with my mother's lifestyle when she was younger and they kind of wrote her off. Mm -hmm. Um, she didn't have a lot of contact with her family. So there wasn't anybody on her side of the family. It seems like your father was just happy to say, you know what? She ran off. She's not coming back. My idea would be, though, that if your 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 mother was closer to your family, they might not take that explanation so easily. I guess that's at right. least my experience. But did any of them do that? Did any of them, it, once they did find out she was missing, maybe they weren't close to her, did they start pushing your father a little harder Anything like that? No, I think. Please. No, I think that my my father was a very formidable force, and they knew that. Um, he was not somebody that you just messed with, or you tried to push for information that he wasn't willing to give. Um, when he put his foot down, it was pretty. It was steadily down, and there was no begrudging him of that. Um, they did not try. None of the, her family came around, or even really tried to talk to us kids after she left and disappeared. Now, the listeners should know that I did uh, ch have a chance to talk to uh, a friend of your of your mother's. I'm not going to use her name. Uh, going to keep her identity a secret. But regarding friends that your mother had, uh, did they kind of just once again the way you remember it that they just accepted as well? She just ran off, and that was that. The way you remember it. Um, the way I remember it, no one ever questioned what my dad had said. Um, but I did. Uh, hear that one of her friends uh, tried to file a, a missing persons report after she disappeared, and the police chief of Clay County actually told her that women miss go missing all the time. They leave their families all the time. This isn't something I need to spend my time looking into, and mm -hmm. dismissed her. Yeah, well, none of that was true at all. <laughs> That's not wasn't true in 2001. Yeah. It's certainly not true. In 2019, it wasn't true in 1970, and it was—I don't think it was ever true. Um, so I don't. You know, that's just a, a bizarre comment for that guy to make, and that's um, that's pretty sad because uh, it sounds like this friend was trying to do the right thing. Even if your mother did run off, I, I think it would still be appropriate for somebody to take a police report. But um, so your impression then is the friends, except for maybe one or two, they just kind of accepted the story too that she ran off. 
kind of well especially especially with her history up then mm-hmm. um with going ahead and moving out and using and she was on the drugs and people mom was a free spirit she kind of went where the wind blew her and yeah. that was just part of her personality okay all right um so she's gone um eventually though your father does find uh, uh a new wife she does get a, a married yes. a, a married again what year was that do you remember um it it was he didn't actually get married again because oh. legally him and my mother were still married all right um, but i did have a yes i did have a stepmom um and they just weren't married they were together for 7 years and they got together about a year and a half after my mom disappeared okay so it's just you, your older sister, your younger sister, your older brothers uh, at college, and it's just your dad and you three, and you just try to make it as normal as possible. That's how you would yes. explain. Okay. And uh, as I said before, you you were your dad's favorite. You got along great. He was a great father. Did all the things that a father is supposed to do from that time until you became a young woman. You graduated high school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was an amazing it, father. I mean, exceptional. Okay. Great. I'm glad to hear that. And of course, you are a, a mother now. Um, yes. Let's talk about, you already mentioned it um, before, but your brother, your 19-year-old brother who was at school, he got a phone. He got a, a call, allegedly, from your mother. How long was this after she disappeared? What do you remember about when that happened? Um, it was a few weeks after she disappeared, and um, all I know is that my brother and my dad both said, um, while my brother was home, that um, she had called. She said she was in Florida. She was. My brother um, explained it as she was like elated. She was very happy, um, and that she was living in Florida, and that she missed us kids, and that that was about it. She didn't say whether she would be coming back. Um, or anything like that. She just said that she was, she was where she was and that was it. That was it. So this would go along with her father's story that she got picked up by somebody in Indiana and somehow she found her way, uh, to Florida somewhere. And that's of course where I live now, but somewhere here in Florida, uh, was this call made to the house? Uh, how long was this? How long was this after she disappeared a month, two weeks? How long do you, do you remember? A couple weeks. A couple weeks. Yeah. A couple okay. weeks. And yes, the call was made to the house. Okay. And uh, were you not in the house when the call was made? Is this just something you were told about later? Right. I just, I never heard any of this. I never knew that until my brother and my father told us, uh, we didn't have any idea about the phone call. Okay. So she didn't use any names, uh, nothing like that. Uh, Did she, once again, if your brother talked to her, did she even apologize for saying, you know what, I apologize to leave you kids like I did, but anything like that from what he said? No, no. The the way my brother made it sound, she just announced where she was, and that was, you know, that she missed us, and that was about the end of the conversation. Okay. Um, Do you also think that this phone call, it sounds to me that this phone call is probably a large reason that uh, a missing persons report uh, was never filed? The, the, of course, mm-hmm. that's is that your interpretation as well? Yes, I believe that since you know after everyone heard that my mother had called and she was alive and fine and she was in Florida and she was happy, 
Um, nobody saw the need to actually file a missing persons report. They figured that Tammy had just gone off and done what she wanted to do. And that was the end of the story. Okay. You'd mentioned this money story, $8,000. That's uh, that's a lot of money at any time. Um, please explain. Maybe we can go into a little more detail of that story again. What did your brother say about his college fund? He had said that um, parents are able to access your FAFSA information and things like that. And she obviously knew my brother's social security number. Um, he had said that he had money um, get placed for his college around the amount of $8,000 to $10,000. And um, he was at school and he went to pay for his housing or something along those lines with this money and the money was all gone. Um, and it had showed that my mother actually took the money out of the account and had left mm -hmm. with it. So did he discover this money was missing before or after she disappeared? I believe before. Before, so he would have found this out and do you know if he gave her mother a hard time about it? I mean, do you know I, anything I about I do that? not know. Don't know anything nope, about that? Nope, I do not know. Okay. Mm -hmm. When did you first, I know once again, 11 years old, you might not understand exactly what a college fund is and how that, all that stuff works. When did you personally hear about this money being missing? I did not hear about the money being missing until maybe a couple years ago, actually. Wow. Um, my brother actually told me about it. Yeah. A couple years ago, so like 2016, 2017. Right. And she disappeared in 2001. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, so does it sound um, – uh, this money that would have been in there, would that have been money that your brother had been saving for college, like by working as a teenager, or was that money that was given to him through a grant? How did he end up having that amount of money in this account anyway? I. I believe it was money given to him uh, by a grant or a scholarship. Um, it wasn't something that he had saved for. Okay. All right. So if we're, uh, it's uh, certainly possible. It's not the first time I've heard about parents, you know, ripping off their kids. She goes in there, has access to the money, planning to leave, and then he finds out about it. But we're not sure the kind of conversation she and he had about it before she disappeared. Okay, and it's like you said, you, your understanding is about eight thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Okay, let's move on to this. Um, and we once again have to remember that this is a case that is uh, not on the Charlie Project. Of course, I'm hoping that's going to change. I hope to talk to my friend Megan Good about uh, her starting a page for Tammy's disappearance, and she's not on Namus either. That's something that Maria we can talk about a little later, but. Um, so a lot of these things are not being heard till now. Now you've told me at some point after your mother disappeared, the bathroom, the kids' bathroom in your house was redone. Um, let's talk about that. And this is, uh, this topic is going to come up uh, a little later on uh, in, in another discussion. But for right now, just uh, tell the listeners what you remember about that. Um, it was just strange at the time because there was nothing wrong with the actual bathroom um, that I could have, that I could tell at that point. Um, so for my father to take the time and money to redo that, it was just a strange occurrence for for us. Okay, when you mean I'm not 
really a, a home guy. I, I've hardly ever been in Home Depot Lowe's, but uh, <laughs> it was at a complete redo, like new tiling, new tub, new sink. I mean, how complete was it? Yeah, he did everything besides like the tub and the toilet. The floors were completely redone. The walls were painted. Um, the molding was replaced, and uh, other yeah, that was about that. Okay. Um, and you thought that that was odd to, as an eleven year old. Did you personally see anything wrong with the bathroom? I mean, w- would you say that it was a a an upgrade, a serious upgrade, or or how do you remember it? Um, no, the bathroom. The bathroom didn't seem to have anything wrong with it as far as I could tell um, as a child. I I mean, it was not as nice as our parents' bathroom, but it was a children's bathroom, and it was only used by us. We didn't even have parents use it. So it was just strange that he would take the time to do that. Okay, and this is going to be uh, relevant a little later. Okay, so she disappears November 2001. Um, Try to make things as normal as they can be without your mother in the house. Uh, what goes on? Of course, she, he ends up finding uh, another woman, although they don't uh, get married. Were they together until his death in 2009? Yes, they were. Okay. How would you explain the rest of the 2000s? Uh, of course, you're 11, 12, you know, become a teenager. Your mother is still missing. And how would you explain those, maybe those eight years between her disappearance and your father's death? What did, what did you do? Would your brother's your brother and sister do anything concerning your mother's disappearance? No, none of us. Like, like I had said, once we got that phone call, once we had heard about that phone call, um, nobody really looked into it any further after that. Nobody filed any missing persons reports or even contacted the police other than I know her friends. Um, and so it was just kind of left to be what it was. We had just assumed that mom had went to Florida and that's where she was or would have been and that was the end of the story and when we brought it up around my father it disturbed him it didn't he didn't like to talk about it it upset him um so we didn't do that all right okay so the rest of the 2000s and um and he dies in in 2009 um how did he die Uh, natural causes yes he actually had stomach cancer that spread through his brain um he passed away fairly quickly within a couple of months of finding out about the cancer. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a really hard time. I bet. I bet my biological father had stomach cancer as well, so I know. Now, a police report was not filed in 2001. I think we know uh, for the reasons be, uh, due to the phone call being made. But eventually in 2009, a police report was filed. Who filed it and why? It was a friend of my dad's. He... Um, came out after my dad passed away and said that he thought that my father had killed my mother. And so he filed a police report um, based on that information. Is this something that um, we're not going to say this guy's name and he's, uh, of course he is deceased now as well. Yes. He is. Okay. Um, Had you ever heard him say anything to like this to you or, Anybody else until 2009? No. No, up until the point my father died, we had never heard this story before. I had never heard this story before. I don't know if people in the town had heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, but us kids I, not that I know of didn't hear anything like that. 
Okay. Did you happen to know this friend? Had you known him for a long time that you knew that he was a friend of your father's? Yes, he was a very good friend of my father's. Um, they had been friends for as long as I had been alive. Wow. Okay. And then in just all of a sudden, the way you understand it, all of a sudden your father dies and then um, maybe within a month or a few months, he's going to the police uh, with this story that your father killed your mother. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you have a chance to talk to this guy one-on-one? Of course, you'd been all, maybe 20 years old, 19. Did you have a chance to talk to this guy one-on-one about this? Yes, I did. Um, he had basically said that when my father was on his deathbed, he um, you have to understand that when my father was on his deathbed, he was on a lot of morphine. Of course. Um, the yes. pain was excruciating. Half of his face was actually paralyzed because the cancer had moved up to his brain. Um, so not all of his words were audible, um, something that you could understand. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm so, oh, dang it, I saw the name. Can you bleep that out? <laughs> I will. I'll bleep um, that out. No problem. All right. Cool. <laughs> Um, but his his friend had said that on his deathbed, my father talked about an axe, hiding an axe, um, that he needed to get rid of this axe. And uh, also said that um, my father had borrowed a box truck from his friend, a friend of his, uh, around the time of my mother's disappearance. And when he received the box truck back, there was blood in the back of it. Um, and that was where came to the conclu- where he came to the conclu- he came to the conclusion at that point uh, that my father had killed my mother. And he kept this a secret for all those years, eight years, I guess. Uh-huh. And yeah. and do you th- being that he says that your father said this uh, on his deathbed, and we completely understand about the drugs, and uh, and I think we all know about cancer, and it's horrible. Um. Is this person, this friend saying that he did not realize any of this until your father said that to him on his deathbed? No, he told, he, the way he explained it, he had known, he had had these suspicions about my father killing my mother for the entire time after my mother had disappeared. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. But he wanted to wait until your father died before he wanted to talk about it. Yes. Okay. Do you think he was maybe a little afraid of your father and what might happen if he went to the police while your father was still alive? I'm I'm sure that he was. Yeah. Okay. Now I have to ask, being that he finally did uh, file this report and you got to talk to him about it, I have to ask, in the preceding years, 2003, 2006, 2007, did you and your siblings maybe start having the same thoughts about your father? No, it honestly, it never crossed my mind that my father would have killed my mother. Um, I, I guess that I was just, um, you know, my father and I were so close and I never thought that he could have done something like that. And until we started, uh, really putting things together, the thought never crossed my mind. Okay. So when this friend came to you, when you found out that he filed this police report, you got to talk to him, you were like totally surprised. Totally surprised. Yes. Okay. And did your other siblings, especially being that uh, your brother claims that he got this phone call from your mother from Florida, uh, did he have a chance to talk to this friend as well? And what did your brother, what was your brother's reaction to this? My brother's reaction to the entire disappearance of my mother is that it's not, he doesn't care. He doesn't care one way or the other. He, he believes she was a bad person. He doesn't want anything to do with her. 
Um, and so he's not necessarily concerned about her whereabouts. Okay. So we have this friend saying one thing your dad said on his deathbed. And, and I'm guessing there was nobody else there to maybe back up that comment. It was just the two of them. Right. All right. So we just have your this friend's word that this is what happened. And but on the other hand, we have to kind of compare this to what your brother says, this this phone that he called that he got, you know, not long after your mother disappeared that said she was just fine and she was in Florida. Those things seem to contradict each other. OK, uh, what did the police do once this uh, report was filed? Nothing. They did nothing for 10 years. Nothing. Do you think that they believe this guy? Um, and I, of course, have to ask, do you believe this guy? Do the police believe this guy? Do your siblings believe this friend? What's the overall feeling of his his um, testimony? There's um, obviously some skepticism. Um, he was a uh, – he was known to tell a tall story. Um, so there was a lot of skepticism based on what he said. Um, mm -hmm. and I don't know that the police, I don't know what the police were thinking that they never even interviewed the first person about my mom's disappearance. Um, I don't know if at that point the, the police have, it was the same chief of police that told my mom's friend, um, that there was no reason to look into my mom's disappearance. Um, so I'm not sure if at this point they didn't want to pursue it because it would have made them look bad as a department for not having pursued it in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm not really sure about that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, eight years between a person disappearing and a report being filed, uh, that's certainly a long time. That may be one of the longest periods between a disappearance and a report uh, being filed. And, uh, and, you know, I can understand why the police might be a little uh, skeptical. And, and especially if they were to start looking into this and find out that you, your brother claims that your mother called him not long after, you know, she disappeared. So... Um, is this what caused this 2009? Is this when you personally started uh, getting involved in looking into this? Is that what it took or was it, did it happen later? No, actually it didn't start. I never really even, uh, I, I did, uh, look into my mom as far as I searched her name on the internet, uh, things like that. Tried to pull up information on her that way. Tried to see if she had, uh, used any credit cards or anything like that, and nothing ever came up. Um, so I honestly just had kind of given up until 2019 this year um, when the, they actually started investigating my mom's disappearance. That's when I actually got very involved in trying to find her. Okay. All right. Now, this is uh, – being that we talked about this bathroom before, listeners probably wondering why did you even – uh, talk about that bathroom being that it doesn't seem like there was anything wrong with it. Of course, in many cases, we talk about rooms being redecorated and redone because maybe some of these covering up blood evidence or signs of violence, but it doesn't sound like that in this case. But at some point, you found a molding from that bathroom. Uh, you're going to have to explain to the listeners how that all happened and, and what you found. So in 2009, after my father passed away, I was still in high school. Um, I had not graduated yet, and my stepmother let me live in my dad's house until I graduated high school um, by myself. Um, I was in the basement just going through some things, and there was a large stack of 
molding that would have gone around the bottom of the floor of the bathroom that he had redone. And on one of the pieces of molding, I noticed some writing. Um, one of the pieces of molding actually said, RIP, Tammy McKittrick, um, August 3rd, and her date of, her date of birth, um, and then to November 14th, 2001, um, on the piece of molding that my father, it was definitely my father's handwriting. He had a very beautiful, flourished cursive handwriting um, on the piece of molding. What did you do when you, I can't imagine seeing something, finding something like that. What did you do when you saw that? I was freaked out. I, um, and this is at the time when I was just now hearing about my father possibly murdering my mother, the rumors mm. about that. Mm. Um, so it freaked me out. It scared me. Um, I didn't know at that age, at 18 years old, I wasn't necessarily smart enough to report this information to the police or do anything with it. I just, uh, kind of kept it inside and dealt with it that way. So your your father kept the moldings from a bathroom that he redid eight years before that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, that. Uh, I guess I have to say I'm surprised by that just alone. But the date and this morning, it was certainly your father's uh, handwriting. Did you show this to your? Of course, I can't call her your stepmother because they didn't get married. But your your father's a new um, partner, girlfriend that was now living in the I house. I told her about it. Yeah, please. Um, I told her about it. She wasn't living there at the time. She was actually living out of state with her sister. Okay. Um, I told her about it over a phone call. I did show um, the guy that I was dating at the time. He saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, those are the only people that I really told about it. Okay, but you didn't show it to the police. No, I did not. All right, I'm not, I'm, and I'm, Marie. Please understand, I'm not trying to give you a hard time about this, but uh, I'm just need to ask these questions so the listeners can understand this. So, of course, the mm-hmm. police did not get to see it. What did you do with it after you saw it and showed it to your boyfriend at the time? What did you do with it? I left it where it was. It was in the basement. And we've actually, my stepmother actually has cleaned out the basement since, and, and it's no longer there. Wow. When you saw that, did did you think that uh, being that you knew that this friend was already talking about your father's involvement and your mother's disappearance, did you think that this was a clue or did you think what I mean, what were you thinking? I definitely thought it was a clue. Um, and to be honest, I thought so highly of my father that I didn't necessarily want his name tarnished after death with um, this being put on him, especially when he had no way to defend himself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the reasons that I didn't uh, contact the police about it. Um, I didn't necessarily want people to think that my dad was some kind of evil person um, that murdered my mother heartlessly or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And we just need to reiterate this. There was a date of her birth and then the, the exact date that she disappeared written on this. Yes. So it was almost like um, when you look at like a, a, a gravestone, and I was it an epitaph, exactly. epitaph, you, epitaph. You see a person when they were born, the time that they died, and the date that was written on there was the exact date that you went to school and you came home and your mother was gone. Yes. Okay. Wow, but um, that molding is probably long gone by now. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Okay. 
All right. Um, well, let's talk about uh, that's that's very uh, that's, a, that's a new one for Unfound for sure. Um, you since then, since two thousand nine, you've gotten to talk to um, the young man that your mother lived with for a while. I tell the listeners how that went, what the discussion entailed, etc. Um, I saw him at a local bar one night I was in, and he was in at the same time, which is uncommon because he doesn't come around local bars or anything like that anymore. Um, I tried to have a discussion with him about my mom and the things that had went on. He was very on edge, did not want to discuss it. Um, seemed like he had his wife with him, and I'm sure that was part of the reason, and his family was with him that he did not want to discuss maybe necessarily not the best time of his life. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe when he made some bad decisions and things like that. Um, so yeah, we really didn't have much of a discussion about it. Um, he didn't seem angry or anything like that. He's obviously moved on with his life. Um, and I'm happy for him in that. Did you ever express to him the idea that, uh, the possibility that your father did something to your mother? No, I never even brought it up. The way that he was acting was obviously he didn't want to have the conversation, and I wasn't necessarily comfortable with pushing him into having that conversation. Sure, sure. Um, honestly, I feel like I he's I feel like I know that he was never a threat, um, mm -hmm. that he was not part of my mom's disappearance. Um, so I didn't necessarily feel like it was uh, you know it was necessary to have the conversation with him about something like that. Okay. Did you even get to ask him, you know, when he did find out that your mother was missing and what he thought, did he ever offer an opinion on the disappearance himself without you kind of leading him in a particular direction? Did he ever offer up his own opinion? No, the only thing he asked was like, if we had ever heard from her again, and my response was no. Um, he apologized and said it had gone, wish it had gone differently. Um, but other than that, he didn't have any comments. Okay, and how recent was this conversation? About four or five years ago. Okay, and you've not talked to him since? No. Okay. All right. Um, let's uh, go back to this guy, that you, that your uh, father's best friend. And then, he, of course, after your father dies, he starts saying these things uh, about how your father seemingly murdered your mother. You did get to talk to him. How many times did you get to talk to him? Uh, do you believe him to be a reliable source? Uh, is he telling the truth? Once again, it, since you've gotten to talk to him and none of us have, what's your opinion on it? I don't necessarily believe that he's a reliable source. Like I said before, he told a lot of tall tales. He wasn't necessarily the most honest person, and he was the town gossip. Um, so as far as I was concerned and am still concerned, um, it was maybe more necessarily for him to get attention uh, because of the disappearance of my mother um, than it was for him to necessarily say something truthful. Um, I do believe that if, since he went to the police that, I mean, some of the information that he has may be valid because if he was willing to try to back that up to the police department, um, it seems like maybe there was some traction there for that information. Um, but if I don't, I don't know either way. Um, I try to just think the best of my father either either way um and so to do that i just kind of uh have come to grasp mm. that maybe she ran off and okay. we just haven't found her yet 
Okay, so you are open to the idea that your father might have done something to your mother, but not necessarily because this best friend is saying all these things. Right. Okay, I, I think we can understand that. How many times did you get to talk to this guy uh, before he died? Um, maybe a handful, maybe four or five times. And it wasn't necessarily all of every time. It wasn't about my mother or her disappearance. Okay. And do you know if any, uh, did any of your other siblings get to talk to him? And would you say if you can talk, I, you've already talked about your uh, brother not wanting having and want, not wanting to have anything to do uh, with the topic of your mother's disappearance. But what about your sisters? Um, if you can speak for them, how do they feel about what this guy has said? If you can say. Um, I don't necessarily know how they feel about it. Um, I know they do both believe that there is a possibility that my father murdered my mother. Um, and I don't know that any, either of them talked to him, talked to my, my father's best friend. Um, but I, I can't say either way that they feel how they feel about what he has said. Okay. All right. Now at some point, and I, I I'm thinking this was somewhat recently, um, you know, uh, you've been working on this and s for some reason, uh, dogs were brought out to your father's property. And, um, I don't, I, I have to admit, I, I'm not sure what to call her. I, I maybe just to keep it simple, she's your stepmother, even though, uh, she and your father were married, but, uh, she lives on that property now. And I guess she allowed dogs to come out there and sniff around and, and what went on. Yeah, so we actually just started investigating my mother's disappearance this year. Um, they did some questioning, and the questioning came up with that everyone that they had talked to had the understanding that my father may have murdered my mother. Um, it wasn't something that necessarily everybody was agree agreed upon, but it was brought up multiple times in different conversations with people that they had interviewed. Um, so the detective did arrange for cadaver dogs, five cadaver dogs, to come out to my father's property and sniff the property. Um, all five cadaver dogs hit on one spot under two apple trees, um, and they brought out ground-penetrating radar to see if they could find a grave under the apple trees that would maybe indicate that my mother was there. Uh, the ground penetrating radar did not have any, it did not show any significance okay. um, of a grave being there. And so after that, the officer, the detective that was on my mother's case was actually taken off of her case. And now there's no one on her case. So they've stopped uh, looking into her case at all. Okay. And I want to talk about that detective here in a moment. I want to go back to the apple trees. Uh, the apple trees are significant because uh, you told me of when when they were planted. When were they planted? Um, my mother disappeared in 2001. The apple trees, I used um, satellite photos of my father's property to go back in time and see when the apple trees weren't there and when they were there. I went back to a photo that was available in 1998. The apple trees were not there. And then the next available photo was of 2003, and the apple trees were small but still there. Okay. So they were planted sometime in between 1998 and 2003. Okay, and it, okay, and it could you could believe that maybe they were planted given their size in 2002, possibly. Yes. Possibly, and these are the trees. How many trees are there? Two. Two. And this is where the dogs went, but they did not find uh, the, the the ground petting trading radar. Doesn't seem like there were anything. There was anything under there. Right. Okay. When they were there, and being going back to that 
that uh, bathroom molding that you found in 2009. At any point, did you suggest to the the people with the dogs or the police to go down into the basement of the house where you found that morning to do any uh, sniffing around, uh, forgive the pun, any searching in 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 the basement? Um, no, I not, I honestly never thought about it because the con there's a concrete floor in the basement. And so I just never even thought about having them look down there because I was sure that the floor was permanent and had been there for, you know, since the house was built. So okay. I never even mentioned to them. I did mention the molding to them, um, which mm -hmm. they found interesting. Um, but other than that, they never inquired about coming into the house and using the dog. Okay. How did this get started? You already mentioned that this uh, detective was already removed, and we, I want to talk about that. But how did this all get started in the first place, that suddenly after 18 years, they're bringing dogs out to the property? How did that happen? Um, the detective that was on the case for the 10 years that nothing happened was actually uh, got a um, – he was moved up in the department. And so his cases went to other detectives and other officers. And the new detective that started actually uh, looking into my mom's case was given my mother's case at that point, and that's when he started investigating. Okay, and so he was the one that arranged for the dogs and the penetrating radar and everything to go yeah. out. Okay. But you just said that shortly after that, um, he was not in that position anymore. Any explanation for that? Um, what can you tell my the listeners? Actually, uh, my sister actually talked to the detective when he was taken off the case. And I guess it was suggested to him by his superiors that he needed to leave the case alone. He didn't need to bring the dogs out to the property. That um, it was just a dead case that he needed to not do anything with. And after he brought the dogs and the ground penetrating radar out to the property, he was actually demoted to be being on the road. Um, he, uh, my understanding was he felt like it was because he actually looked into my mother's case, so they didn't necessarily want someone doing that. Well, okay, and we're not going to use his name uh, in this, but. Um... I would certainly like to talk to him if we could arrange that. I don't know how much he's going to say, being he's a police officer, but um, that certainly does get my attention. Uh, however, there is a name maybe that we can mention if you feel comfortable doing it. Maybe the the guy that um, maybe caused this guy to get demoted. Who is Rob Carter? He was actually the police chief, chief at the time that my mother disappeared, the one that told her friend that it wasn't necessary to look into the case any further. Mm -hmm. um, and he was the police chief at the time when the police report, report was filed and nothing was actually done on to investigate the case. He's now a, um, he's in an office in Indianapolis somewhere. Um, he's no longer the police chief, mm -hmm. but yeah. Okay. And he, he was the police chief of, uh, Bowling Green, Indiana or Clay County, Clay County, Clay County, Clay County. Oh, Clay County. Yeah. Clay County. Okay. And so he's moved on to Indianapolis. Have you ever personally uh, talked to him about what went on on your father's property this year? No, I have not. I've never had any contact with Rob Carter before. No. Okay. Uh, but he was the guy at the time that, that um, didn't want to take the case seriously. And who is, do you think, who is the head of uh, Clay County now? Who would be responsible for something like this? I'm not sure. I've never looked into it. 
Okay. Do you think that Rob Carter uh, would have enough influence to get a detective who was looking into this demoted if it because it might be embarrassing for the department or something, the way you understand things in Indiana? The way I understand it, it certainly would be possible. Okay. Is he some sort of politician, like a state senator or yes. state representative or something like that now? Yes, he is. He is a politician. All right. So the listeners can surely look him up. Maybe they even want to send him a, a very nice email. Okay. So <laughs> maybe he's just trying to – not saying he has anything to do with the disappearance, but maybe he just wants it to go away because it might make him look – be put in a bad light for not taking a murder seriously okay um so and like you said the is there currently no one working on the case that's to your knowledge right okay and how long ago did this other detective uh get demoted when did that happen um approximately three months ago Okay, so he tries to do this this stuff, and then suddenly um, they they push him away and demote him. I certainly hope you're not going to let that go. I, I get the. I, I think I've gotten to know you well enough, Murray, to know that you're probably not going to let that go. I, I think you should. There's this sounds like there's something uh, wrong there. I feel like I want to talk about this uh, best friend just a little bit more, and then we'll talk about. Uh, your father once, uh, once more, and then we will move into uh, Namus and the Charlie Project. A little talk about that and how your your mother is not on either site. Um, how do you feel about this friend and and, and what he did? Uh, you said he was like the town gossip and, and everything else. I mean, how close of friends was he with your father? Well, one thing my father did always say about his best friend was that you keep your friends close and you keep your enemies closer. Um, he definitely knew that there was another side to him, mm-hmm. uh, one that he necessarily didn't want to be around. And uh, he knew that he could be manipulative um, and things like that. So I, I don't know if necessarily my father kept him close enough so that he couldn't hurt my father mm-hmm. or that they were truly best friends. Okay. Do you kind of feel, um, once again, we've already established that you may have, we may have suspicions of your father, but it's not because of necessarily of what this guy said. Do you almost get the feeling that this friend really doesn't know anything and is almost stabbing your father in the back or something, or, or what? Um, I definitely think that his friend truly does believe that that my father killed my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that, I think that if it was just gossip, he would never have went to the police about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I'm pretty adamant about, that if he never had any real evidence or had any real, you know, really thought about it, then he wouldn't have gone to the police about it. So I do believe that he, he actually believes he knew what happened. Okay. But the only proof that he's ever, if it's not, it's not really proof. All he has is a statement your father allegedly made on his deathbed. That's it. Right. All right. right. This guy is not saying that he took part in it. He's not saying that he helped dispose of your mother's remains. He's not saying, you know, anything where he was there at the time that it happened. He's just saying some comment your your father made. And we have to remember, like you said, your father was, as most cancer patients are near the end, hopped up on drugs, maybe a little delirious. 
don't maybe don't know what they're saying, possibly. Exactly. Okay. All right. I just wanted to reestablish that uh, before we we move forward. Let's talk about your father. Uh, and I don't want the listeners to get the idea that we are going after him. Of course, the reason we're talking about him, it does seem that there are some things here that we need to take a closer look at. Um, of course, the listeners, you're going to make the decision up for yourself for yourselves. But um, he does have a, an interesting history. Don't run into too many people in here who've changed their names. Uh, he was involved in the mob. Uh, we have this story about him shooting a, a, a vice principal that he had. Uh, do we know when that happened? Or are there any news reports on that? Have you ever tried to look that up? No, I haven't. I mean, I've used um, Ancestry.com to try to look up information on him based on mm. his other last names, and mm. I've never come up with anything. Okay. Because I'm thinking it, that if a – is this like a school situation? So he was like in a high school, and he felt the need yes. to shoot his vice principal? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm sure the, I'm, I'm going to guarantee the listeners are going to try to find that somewhere, maybe on newspapers.com or something. Would this have been in Bowling Green or somewhere else? Do you no, believe? this would have, this would have been in Ohio. In Ohio. Okay. Well, maybe that will yes. help them uh, try to uh, narrow that down. And um, we'll see because, you know, I, I want to believe that it's true, but you know, on the other hand, as a guy, I know sometimes we like to tell tall tales about things. So I just, I just don't know. Uh, have you, regarding your father, you've had a chance to talk to his, I don't want to, once again, I don't want to call him his, her, his new wife, but his girlfriend about, uh, him. What has she said? If you can say, and we haven't used her name, but what has she said about your father? And have you ever talked to her about your mother's disappearance? Yes, we have talked about my mother's disappearance, and we've also talked about my father. Um, she's said that my father was nothing but gracious, kind, and patient with her, um, but she did know that my father has another side um, and that she didn't necessarily see it. Um, they never, my father never in any way tried to hurt her or or beat on her or anything like that, And but she does know and believe that my father was capable of murdering my mother. She did say that? Yes. Wow. Um, once again, we've not used her, used her name and we're not going to, but, um, do you think that she ever felt in fear of your father? No, I, I don't believe she ever did. My father, I mean, it, through the years, he mellowed out a lot and, mm -hmm. um, I can only assume that maybe he learned if something did happen between him and my mother, he maybe learned a lesson from it. I don't mm -hmm. think it, I don't think it was the type of thing that he was a murderer and would mm -hmm. necessarily just murder anyone. I think that maybe it would have been a special case. Like an argument gone wrong, something like that too far. Yes. Argument gone yeah. too far, which is something we talk a lot about uh, on unfound. I, I'm inclined to believe a lot of disappearances in this vein are very much like that. However, there really is no proof that your father did anything to your mother. Is there? Right. Nothing. Right. Uh, over the years, um, anything that you ever thought that was unusual? We know about the bathroom. We know about the, the apple trees and the dogs there. Anything else that you can remember back to being on that property as an 11-year-old getting older? But now you look back in your, I guess you're in your late 20s now, that you look back and say, well, maybe that is kind of weird. Something that uh, you look back now. 
Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't necessarily think that there's anything that I look back on besides the things that we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, that I really thought that that it was a, a you know, there it might have had to have something to do with my mother's disappearance or anything like that. Um, pretty normal. Mother leaving. My father was such an amazing father that we almost didn't even miss having a mom because he took up both spaces and did it well. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about this. Uh, I've already mentioned uh, we don't cover too many cases that are not on either the Charlie Project or NamUs. Um, are you familiar with NamUs? Uh, have you been trying to get your mother listed on there? I think that would you know, greatly increase the profile of your mother's case, more people knowing about it. Uh, anything going on along those lines right now on NamUs? Yeah, I, I actually contacted the regional the director for our area. Um, with NamUs, I emailed him and tried, was trying to get my mother's information on NamUs and possibly have them take like a DNA sample from me and have yeah. that on the database as well. But he's never emailed me back. Okay. How long ago was that? A couple months ago. All right. Uh, my opinion, just to tell you publicly, you probably should, um, get back to him. I, I don't know what go- was going on in this person's life, why they didn't get back to you. But you should, that's very important because it very well could be that your mother remains were discovered somewhere. That doesn't mean your father did something. That doesn't mean somebody else. We just don't know. But her unidentified remains could be somewhere. Her her DNA could be on a database. And without your DNA or your, your sisters or your brother, brothers, there's no way to match it. You know, name oh, exactly. is going to, you know, so you, um, I would be a little more proactive on that, my opinion. So, okay. I, and, and if there's anybody in the unfound audience that can, uh, maybe even help you further with that, I'm sure those people will contact you. And of course, once they hear this interview, uh, cause I, I have quite a few, what I would call name is experts in the group, and I'm sure they could maybe give you some advice and some things. So I'm hope they'll do that. Um, and then as far as Charlie project, you are familiar with that site for the project. No, I am not. Okay. That's a private site. It's like NamUs, but it's a private site has about 10,000 missing persons cases on it. Um, the, the owner of that site, Megan good is a friend of mine. She's been on the program and I'm sure she will hear this interview and I'll be talking to her about getting your mother's case on her site, uh, as well. Right. Okay. So once again, Because, like, we started out this conversation saying how there's not a lot of information out there right now. (laughs) And, of course, I'd like to help change that for you, of course, with Unfound, NamUs. And so when people go to Google and they hear about your mother's case and they do a search for it, you know, things start popping up. You know, that that, that might be help you and help you. And who knows, somebody might come forward. To say, you know what, I remember back at the time, and I remember seeing something. So you never can tell. But uh, getting on those sites uh, is certainly going to uh, help your, you know, help move this case forward. You mentioned just mentioned your father, how you know he kind kind of took on both roles, both as father, I guess, and mother. Once your mother disappeared, but really, what's this been like for you and your siblings? I think it's been a it's it's been a crazy ride. Um, we never expected anything like this to happen to us. Um, 
I, it's been hard. I mean, not knowing where my mother is for the last 18 years. Um, I mean, that's difficult. I have no closure. And when they brought out the cadaver dogs and they hit on that one location, I thought for sure at that moment, we were going to have the closure that we've been looking for for 18 years. Mm -hmm. And it's still just out of our, just out of our reach. Um, I would love to have, I would love to just know where my mother is or where she was. Um, and just, just finally be done with it. To be honest with you, it's been an ongoing thing for 18 years and I'm really not have to worry about it anymore. I still look for her face when I go places, public places. Wow. I look for her. Um, sometimes I see people that look like her and I even think about approaching them and talking to them, not knowing if this is my mother or not. Uh, and that's difficult. It's, it's an emotional roller coaster. Um, but I'm, I'm really just ready to have some closure, to be honest. Okay. I can, I can completely understand that. And, um, especially in, in a case like this where, you know, missing persons report wasn't filed for eight years. And it's only been within the last year that dogs have even been on, for example, have even been on the property. So, yeah, you've been living with too many um, questions for too long. Absolutely. Yeah. 18 years. Um, and, of course, you've already um, – it does seem, though, that your siblings, at least your brother, has a different feeling about this whole thing compared to you. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a uh, a Facebook page or anything set up right now for your mother's disappearance, Marae? I do not. I created a, fr a friend, well, not really a friend, someone who helped me through the missing persons page mm -hmm. on Facebook, helped me create like a poster of my mom that, that we've been sharing. It's been shared around 500 times already okay. um, that we've done, but I haven't created a page for her or anything like that yet. To be honest, I don't know where to start with looking into her disappearance. Mm -hmm. um, I have no expertise in this field and I would mm -hmm. love all the help that I can get to be mm -hmm. honest. Okay. Well, I, here's what I'm going to do. I, I can tell you by the time that uh, the listeners are hearing this, uh, interview that I will have posted in the Unfound Podcast discussion group that you need some help, uh, maybe setting up a page, you know, a page for your mother. Because once again, that's also something that will raise the profile and, you know, get people talking. So that I, I know that some of my listeners have helped others, other guests set up pages and kind of give them, you know, some suggestions on how to set it up and what you should have on there and everything. So I will send, uh, by the time this interview is heard, um, hopefully, we've already gotten some uh, people that have requested to help you with that. And then, Great. you know, once you get on NamUs, once you get on Charlie Project, once you get a Facebook page and other things, um, I, I think that then the next step, of course, is, you know, really, really trying to nail down what happened that day. And, uh, of course, there's going to be a lot of talk about, you know, what pe different people are going to believe. And, of course, I'm going to continue to help you in any way that I can. You know, even after Thank this you. episode, I appreciate that. you're welcome. Even after this episode airs, um, any final, um, any final comments before we complete this interview, Marie? I just wanted to say I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and really get some exposure for my mom's case, and hopefully something comes of it. Okay, Marie, uh, I can promise you that uh, you and I will continue to be in touch. And you have any problems with NamUs, Charlie Project, or anything, uh, you let me know, and we'll get it sorted out. I promise you on that. Great. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. Okay. And I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Marae Ledgerwood, daughter of Tammy McKittrick. I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. As I mentioned during the interview, I got to speak with one of Tammy's closest friends. We spoke for about 50 minutes two weeks ago. I will now take a few moments to tell you what she had to say. I will not be releasing her name to the public. However, I believe what she is saying. More importantly, Murray trusts her. And that's the reason Murray wanted me to talk to this friend. This is what the best friend had to say, and these items are in no particular order. This friend actually saw Tammy the day before she disappeared at church, and they had talked about getting together that next day when Tammy disappeared. This friend always felt Bob was responsible, but insists Bob was a good guy, a good father, etc. She never saw any abuse in their marriage. This friend wasn't sure if Tammy actually lived with Ryan or not. She knows they had some type of fling going on, but this friend thought Tammy actually lived with one of their other friends during this time. This friend never saw Bob get angry. In fact, she never saw him ruffled about anything. He was always very kind and polite and nice. The way that this friend knew Tammy was through their kids. All of their children were about the same age. Bob drove Tammy everywhere. Of course, this friend is backing up something that Murray said. This friend insists she never saw Tammy do any drugs and she never suspected it. In fact, she never saw Tammy drink either. But she did say that the reason they usually saw each other was because of their kids, and so they didn't do any drinking around their kids. This friend does not believe Tammy is still alive. This friend also says that about the time that Tammy disappeared is when this friend heard about Bob and his previous mob connections. This is also about the same time she heard that he had changed his name a couple times. She claims that Tammy met Bob at a strip club, although this friend does not believe that Tammy was ever a stripper. This friend says that when she would go over to Tammy's house, she would always see a lot of guns. She claims that Bob helped another guy in their town change his identity. This guy died a few years ago. She says the name of this guy could be Bob Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S, but she is unsure on that and she is not sure what year he died, but she claims it was fairly recently, once again, just a few years ago. This friend says that Tammy told her that Bob once shot one of his son-in-laws from a previous marriage. Tammy's friend believes this story. By my account, that means that Bob shot a vice principal and one of his son-in-laws from a previous marriage. Now, it may be this vice principal and the son-in-law are the same person. I have no idea either way, but it seems clear to me that Bob never spent any time in jail for either of the shootings, or maybe it's just one shooting. I really don't know. I should also say that my understanding is that neither the son-in-law or the vice principal died during these shootings. Back at the time of the disappearance, Bob told this friend that Tammy had a doctor's appointment on Thursday, but Tammy said nothing to this friend the day before, once again, when they were at church, about this doctor's appointment. This friend believes that is something that Tammy would have told her. Bob told this friend that he went out and he was coming back to take Tammy to this doctor's appointment, and when he came back, Tammy was gone. 
However, he also told this friend that he thought that Tammy got into an 18-wheeler with someone. This friend says that the day after, which would be Friday, November 16th, that Bob called her to see if Tammy was at her house. This friend says that she called the sheriff's office at some point regarding Tammy's disappearance. She says the sheriff told her someone had already called him about Tammy's disappearance, which is interesting given that there was no missing persons report ever filed until about eight years later. Bob told this friend that he found a positive pregnancy test in the bathroom of the house after Tammy disappeared. She claims this friend says that Bob figured Tammy would be back, that she'd only be gone for a few days. This friend knew about Bob's friend stating that Bob did something to Tammy. That's something that we talked about in the interview. However, like what Murray said, this guy is prone to telling stories. This friend saw Bob quite a bit after Tammy disappeared because their children were involved in similar functions. And not once did Bob mention Tammy at all. However, she insists that Bob was always nice and he was very generous. This friend lost her husband at some point, I think after Tammy's disappearance, and Bob helped her out paying some of her bills to get her through this tough time. She insists that Bob never made any sexual advances toward her after Tammy disappeared. They were strictly friends and they got along very well and that the general consensus among Tammy's friends, as much as they liked Bob, they thought he killed her. And those are my notes from talking with one of Tammy's best friends. Something I also did is I tried to figure out where Bob might have gotten the last name Pekitrick. How did he pick that name out in contrast to any other name? And I found at least three possibilities. Number one... Uh, There was a character in the movie War Games with Matthew Broderick. Uh, This character was played by Dabney Coleman. What's interesting to me is it sounds to me, putting the whole timeline together, is that this movie came out in 1982, 1983, somewhere in there, and that could be around the time when Bob did change his name to McKittrick. There was a Kit McKittrick In the spy film, The Fallen Sparrow, that came out in 1943. It's a fairly well-known film noir movie. And then third, probably most interestingly, the McKittrick Hotel is in the film Vertigo. Now, why is that interesting? Because in that movie, a woman changes her identity. Overall, the way I see it, The toughest part to reconcile in Tammy's disappearance is the phone call that her son received a few days after November 15th, 2001. Because I think I know you, the listeners, decently well. I'm guessing you don't believe that call happened. And that's very easy to understand why you think that. Tammy wasn't very descriptive, she didn't apologize, and she didn't say who took her to Florida or if she went by herself. The tough part is understanding why the brother would make something like that up. Did his father ask slash force him to do it? Did this brother do it in an attempt to cheer the other kids up so they'd believe Tammy was still alive? Or did the brother do this as some kind of prank, truly believing his mother would be back soon? We just don't know. And to remind all of you, this brother has stuck to his story to this day 18 years later. Or is there another possibility? Maybe a woman pretended to be Tammy called 
and the call was short enough that this brother didn't realize the woman wasn't his mother. Yeah, that sounds a bit outlandish. But don't forget the Lucinda Hewell's case unfound covered in October 2017. You can look that up to understand what I mean. The other issue is the bathroom molding, the one that Murray found in the basement. I should first note that Murray said that 14th was written on the molding. In talking to her after the interview, she clarified that she meant the 15th. But why would her father turn it into an epitaph? Better question, why did he write the day of her disappearance as the day of her death? Even better question, why save it if he indeed did kill Tammy? I have no idea to any of those questions. Maybe Bob wrote it to mean that Tammy was figuratively dead, like she's dead to me, meaning Tammy wasn't dead, but that she did something that was unforgivable. I guess it's possible. The biggest problem is the molding is gone. As for Bob's past history, to me, specifically Bob's mob connections, him shooting a vice principal, him shooting a son-in-law, not seemingly going to jail for anything, they all feel like likely stories. I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.